You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Have the angels who pronounced the birth of our Savior to the shepherds. So you always have some angels there and some shepherds there. Um, in particular, something was baptized and blessed by Jesus because Jesus lied there uh, for that morning, and that was the manger. So I think that's like a, like a holy relic in the Roman Catholic Church. If you can actually find that stall which Jesus lay in and touch it, you'll be blessed forever, right? Because that's, that's the, the, the holy manger. So the manger takes more precedence than even the farm animals because that's where Jesus lay in was wrapped in cloth. So you have the farm animals. But there's one more character that often we may just talk about in passing, but we never really hear sermons about it. We never really dwell on that. Can you guys uh, guess which character that is? The innkeeper. Okay, I guess so. Maybe we should do a sermon on the innkeeper. <laughs> no, not the innkeeper. Although you're, you're right, the innkeeper is, is very less known and forgotten. But uh, something that is more prominent in the Christmas story, but is forgotten. Herod, uh, well, we want to forget Herod, okay, because he almost caused the, the death of Jesus. Uh, something, okay, yes, the star, who said that? The star, okay, the star, all right, you got it, all right, the character is the star. So the character forgotten or at least mentioned and explained is the star of Bethlehem or also known as the, the Christmas star. Sorry, it is a trick question because, you know, character, you're thinking of a person. But I did mention the manger, so it, it, it works, right? Now, although the star appears in most nativity scenes and, and artwork, first of all, usually it's mentioned in passing. No one ever dwells to talk about the star. When you talk about the baby Jesus, of course, you're going to explain the significance of the baby Jesus. When you talk about even Mary, you're going to talk about, well, Mary was a virgin. This is why it was a miracle. This is a, a blessed wonder of God. But then when it comes to the star, it's just, oh yeah, and there's a star, and the three wise men followed that star, and they found Jesus. And then you continue on the story without talking about the star anymore. But never is the star explained in great detail. For example, when was the last time you heard a sermon about the star of Bethlehem, right? Raise your hand if you actually heard a sermon about the star of Bethlehem before. Okay, I give it to you now that this is a momentous occasion because you can now actually raise your hand that you have heard a sermon about the star of Bethlehem. So whoever future guest speaker comes, oh, we never hear about the star of Bethlehem. Yes, we did. Pastor Peter actually preached about the star of Bethlehem, and he got away with it. All right. Now, it's understandable. Would you rather talk about Mary or Joseph or just some star? Right now, I know there's a star, smart aleck somewhere here. And says, well, I actually would rather talk about the star. But most people, they don't really care about talking about a thing. They want to talk about what was going on in, in Mary's heart. You know, Mary, did you know that your baby boy, da-da-da-da, right? What was going on with, with Joseph? People want to know that. They don't really care about the star that much. But today, O star, you shall not. You shall not be forgotten. We will talk and take a closer look at the star of Bethlehem. And it's unique because it's actually not found 
in Luke's account. It's not found in Luke chapter 2, but it is found in Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 2. So we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1 to also uh, 18. Now, we're going to do a little scripture reading. Now, I just want to let you know that if you do have your physical Bibles or your smartphone Bibles to keep it at, at Matthew chapter 2, because we're going to be referring to different verses, and I'm not going to come back to this scripture reading all the time. So, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. Can I have the congregation read the uh, odd, and I will read the even? Okay? So, here we go. Uh, we're going to start with chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. And asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is part of the Christmas story that 
that no one really wants to dwell on because it's actually quite a tragic and sad thing. But it happened. Now, I put a map over there because a lot of people are like, what's, what's Rama? Is that a person? Well, it's a province, specifically a city around where Jerusalem and also Bethlehem is. Bethlehem is about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. Rama is about 15 miles uh, north of Jerusalem. And it is said that uh, that is where Rachel uh, was, was buried in Ramah on her way down to Bethlehem. Now, those of you that have been studious and have been thinking about the Christmas story will start thinking, uh-oh, it looked like Matthew 2's Christmas account probably didn't happen during our popular Christmas story. How many of you got, got that feeling as you were reading through Matthew chapter 2? None of you? How many of you already knew that? None of? Okay, one person. Two people. All right, two people. Good job, studious uh, Bible, Bible readers. Right? And this is what I mean. I mean that the whole Magi following the star and finding Jesus and giving gifts to him, then avoiding King Herod, did not happen at the same time as the story of Jesus' birth, the declaration of the angels and the shepherds visiting the manger scene, uh, which is found in Luke chapter 2. So the Magi visiting Jesus with gifts most likely happened one to two years after Jesus was born, which means that Jesus was already walking and running around when the Magi came. Now, if you think about the Christmas story that we usually see in artwork, in crafts, or in the movies, the shepherds are there first, and they go, hey, how are you doing? We heard from the angels, and God told us that we are coming here to glorify God because of the birth of Messiah. Uh, can I see Can I see him? Can I see him? Right? And then Joseph and Mary, probably really tired because she just gave birth without epidural, was like, uh, okay, sure. Uh, it is my Middle Eastern hospitality to have to let you come in and see the birth of this boy that we are calling Jesus. And then after that, then the three wise men, the Magi, or the three kings of Orient, come over and give the gift of frankincense, myrrh, and, and so on, right? But when you read Matthew 2's account, it seems that it's actually at a different time when Jesus is older. Now, how do we know this? Here are some indications that the Christmas story of Matthew 2 is separate and after Luke 2. So I guess this might blow your minds away. And I'm not trying to blow Christmas away because Christmas is awesome, right? But I'm trying to give some more biblical truth to what is uh, going on here. Matthew 1.25 states that Mary gave birth to Jesus. This verse alone most likely summarizes the Christmas account of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Okay? Matthew does say that Jesus was born, and then it goes on to continue with the rest of a further account of the story after Jesus was born. Now, remember that Luke wrote after the Gospel of Matthew, so he would be providing other details that Matthew did not provide. Any of you who have did a study on the Synoptic Gospels knows that Luke's account of what happened to Jesus in his life does have some similar stuff that Mark and Matthew has, but has a lot of different stuff that Mark and Matthew do not have. This is one of those things. Secondly, in, in Matthew 2, 1, it starts with after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Not when Jesus was born, not during Jesus' birth. So Jesus was born, and then after he was born, we start the account with the Magi. And then further on, going to verse 2, 
the Magi saw the star of Bethlehem from their eastern home, which probably was either Persia, Arabia, or yes, China, right? Or China. Now, if the appearance of the star correlates with Jesus' birth, and the journey from Persia, Arabia, or China is very far from Israel, remember there were no planes back then, then the journey would have taken the Magi at least a month to a year before getting to Jesus. So there's no way that the Magi can ding. You know, they didn't have teleportation devices yet, all right? They had to walk or take a horse or a donkey all the way from where they were. The closest would be Arabia, all the way through the Fertile Crescent, finally, to where Bethlehem is. And remember, they had to first go through Jerusalem and ask Herod, where, where is this, this baby that's pronounced the Messiah, the King of the Jews? And then Herod, being hospitable, would have taken them, him in and then spent a f- allowed them to spend a few days of refreshment there in Jerusalem. And then only after that, they would have gone to Bethlehem. So there was a time that happened after Jesus was born that it took for the Magi to actually get to Bethlehem. Then in Matthew chapter 2, verses 11, the Magi visit not the manger where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were, but the house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were. In Matthew chapter 2, also, the word that they used for child is different than the word that they used for child in Luke chapter 2. They use the Greek word paideon, which means young child or toddler, Verses in Luke 2, most of the Greek words they use for this child is brephos, which means newborn or infant. Last but not least, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, Herod orders the killing of people how old? Not like one month or less, but people that are two years old. And you're, why would he do that? If, if he already knew that Jesus was born, just born, you know, was he just doing this for extra credit killing or something? Like, oh, well, let's, let's just take care of the other, I don't like boys, so let's just kill the rest of them too. No, it's because after consulting with the Magi, in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi, he realized that it has already been two years. So, therefore, he goes and gives the order to kill all the boys around in, in Bethlehem and around the vicinity of Bethlehem in order to try to take care of this threat of this new king that's going to compete with him. So this strongly suggests that they all believe Jesus to be up to two years old by then. So therefore, not to blow you guys away like this, right? The Christmas story of Matthew 2 is actually not the real Christmas story. Chronologically, it is a post-Christmas story that our pop culture has combined with the original Christmas birth story. So if you want to go to the original Christmas birth story, you go to Luke chapter 2, if you want to ha- see what happened after, you go to Matthew chapter 2. But regardless, because, of the star, because the star of Bethlehem appeared when Jesus was born, although it is not mentioned in Luke chapter 2, it is still there when Jesus is born. It's just not mentioned in Luke chapter 2. All right, you guys got that? So, so you're saved. Okay, the, the Christmas is still saved. The star was still there. It's just the Magi didn't come immediately after the shepherds came in and said, hey, how are you guys doing? We're magi from the east. I want to give gifts to you, Jesus. So it happened probably at least one year to at most two years after. 
Now, like the curious whale of Jonah, this is a very curious star of Bethlehem. And when you go and talk about Jonah, there are people that try to explain, you know, what was this whale? Was this something that was miraculously created to swallow Jonah? Or was it like one of those large sperm whales or another giant whale, the big blue whale, where he was inside for a number of days and then spit out of, of, the, of the, the air hole on the top, right? Like, and people have all these theories for what this whale is. Well, it's the same with this star. What was this star like? And when we read through Matthew chapter 2, we see some interesting characteristics of this star. It is a star that could only be seen by magi from the east. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Now, why do I say this? Well, do you think that during that time, the only magi astrologers that were in existence, that were called official astrologers, official wise men, were ones from the east? No. There were ones from the north, there are ones from the south, and there are ones from the west. We know, without a doubt, historical documents showing us that Rome actually employed their version of the Magi. Also, Egypt, all the way going back to the pharaohs. Remember, Moses contended with these other Magi to show that his God was the true God and he had the greater miracles than these false priests of Egypt. So there were also other Magi. So why didn't they see this star? And why didn't they also come to Herod and say, hey, we saw this star, the star of the king. Uh, where is this, this Messiah that's born, the king of the Jews? So this star could only be seen by these magi from the east. Number two, another attribute of this star is that this star didn't seem to exist before, but then it appeared all of a sudden in a certain chronological point in time. If you look at verse 7, it was, tell, Herod asks, the Magi, when did this star suddenly appear? And so it wasn't like an astronomical object that was always there. It suddenly appeared at a certain time, point in time, that signified the birth of this Jewish king. A third attribute is that this star seems to have free will. It has a mind of its own. It is not a fixed astronomical object, and it defies the Earth's rotation as it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. It's a UFO, right? That's, that's the explanation. It's a UFO, right? So if you look at Venus and you're using your telescope, and all of a sudden Venus stops, and then Orion and the other constellations are moving, you're like, whoa, what's going on? There's something wrong with the universe right now. I better call NASA and figure out what's going on, right? So that was sort of like what happened. Like, this is going against the laws of physics, it's not just any old regular star. And lastly, number four, fourth attribute, this star seems to appear and disappear based on where the Magi was. All right, so we get an indication of this as we read through Matthew chapter 2. Why did the Magi have to stop in Jerusalem and ask for directions if the star was constant? They would have just kept going all the way down to Bethlehem. And also, why did, when they finally saw the star, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed, as if it was something that they hadn't seen for a long time. 
you know, I, I can already see what was happening was that they didn't see the star. They heard that it's in Bethlehem, so they started walking, and then the star appeared again. They're like, yes, finally, confirmation. The, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. And so the star seems to appear and disappear based on where the Magi was. So what was this star? Well, here are a couple of popular theories, right? So these are the most popular theories of the star of Bethlehem. There are other theories, but these are the most popular ones. Um, scientists have always been enamored by this, you know, if, especially Christian ones. They can find the natural explanation for this star of Bethlehem, then it gives more credence to the story of Christmas, and then they can evangelize their non-Christian friends much easier because there's more evidence, right? Well, one thought is that this star was a supernova. So when a star dies, the core implodes, resulting in a gigantic nuclear explosion. And for several weeks, this explosion causes the star's light magnitude to be more intense than the other stars in the sky. So the last time this happened was during Johannes Kepler's time. He spotted a supernova back in 1604, and it was, so, it was much brighter than all of the other stars in the sky. Uh, how many of you have actually seen this episode called The Star in the 80s Twilight Zone serial? Any of you? You have, right? Okay, right? And so it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there's a story of these three astronomers, one of them who happened to be a priest. Way far in the future, they fly far into space, and they finally find the star of Bethlehem, except it's in supernova form. So there's a supernova that happened, and this priest rejoices because they found the star of Bethlehem. But then right when he finds this star that went supernova, that was the sign of life and the sign of Christ that was to be the savior of the earth, he also finds out that this supernova destroyed an advanced alien civilization of millions of people. And then he has a crisis of faith. He's like, why is it that all of these aliens had to be destroyed in order to give life to my home, right? And it's a really interesting dilemma that he was in. And then the other scientists come and console him and saying, it's okay, we got a letter from the aliens. They said it was their time to go. Oh, okay, good, good. So anyways, go on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. Twilight Zone is the, 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 the revised Twilight Zone, not the old one back in the, the black and white days, but the, the color Twilight Zone. It was, it was called the star. Now, unfortunately, this theory does not account for all of the star's attributes found in Matthew 2. For example, it doesn't explain how the star can sit in the sky and defy the rotation of the earth, right? It does not explain, uh, if it was a supernova, why did not other magi see this star? Why can only magi of the east see this star? Also, there are no known supernova sightings around that time of Jesus, a second theory is that this star was a visual alignment of certain planets and, and other stars. Okay? This star was a visual alignment of multiple stars and or planets. That when they get together, the magnitude of the brightness would increase greatly. And what is interesting is that, yes, this did occur several times. It has been recorded by Roman astrologers between three and 2 BC, when Jupiter, Venus, and the star Regulus positionally matched up in the sky. But 
again, unfortunately, although promising, it still doesn't account for all the Christmas star's attributes in Matthew 2. Again, how, how does it actually stop in the sky right above Bethlehem and not move according to the earth's axis and rotation? And also, this is something, a phenomenon that everyone saw rather than just the Magi of the East. A third theory is that this star was a comet. Okay, now, I don't know if you know this, there are comets, there are stars or comets that move that do have a tail, and also there are comets that, because their tail is so small, or because the way it's directed towards the Earth, you can't even see a tail at all, and then it looks like a moving, a slow-moving star. Now, if you look at this medieval artwork right up here on the top right, what do you see on the top of uh, the, the farm manger area? Is it a star? It's a comet, right? And so this theory has been around for a long time, ever since 2nd century A.D. Now, what is interesting is that comets have been seen to move and then stall for some reason over different objects. Now, of course, it's still moving, but for some reason, it looks like it's slowing down or it stops for a period of time before moving again. And I'm sure it has something to do with the, the orbit of that star around uh, our sun or whatnot. In the second century AD, um, well, in the fifth, fifth, fifth century BC and four BC, or five BC and four BC, sorry, not the fifth century BC, there were two of these comets recorded by the Chinese, of all people, uh, one with a tail and then one without a tail. Now, again, unfortunately, although this theory accounts for most of the star of Bethlehem's attributes, it still fails in one of them. For example, that only the Magi could see this star. But what's cool is that it's the most promising explanation out of all the naturalistic explanations, so much so that there are people who are astronomer theologians who have written books about this even in recent day, and they call it the Christ Comet. Last but not least, the fourth theory. This star was a miraculous sign temporarily created by God. And this is the only theory that accounts for all four attributes of the star of Bethlehem. This was a miraculous star that signified the miracle and wonder of Christ the Messiah. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, we see that the lights of the sky are to give a sign to certain events that happen in this world. And what better sign to give than the birth of Jesus Christ, probably the greatest significant event in human history next to the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons, days, and years. Now, for some people, they might say, well, that's a cop-out. You're trying to get away with it. Of course, if you say it's a miracle, then you can fulfill all of the attributes of that star. Well, it would be if that were the only miracle. But just think about the incidences that had occurred around the Christmas story. You have the Virgin Mary. You have the angels that proclaim the birth of Christ. You have all of these miraculous things that have happened. To just add one more miracle to a time around that time, one or two years afterwards, wouldn't be such 
a stretch. So the star was either a miraculous creation or possibly a comet. Now, the star of Bethlehem wasn't the only star recorded in the Bible. Here is where we see a star giving directions and giving a sign to point to another star. Check these two verses out. So in Numbers 24, 16 to 17, near the beginning of the Bible, it says, The oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate, and whose eyes are open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheth. This is what's known as the star prophecy of Christ. And it is believed that Jesus uh, would fulfill this prophecy first in his birth and then when he comes again as king and ruler of the world. And then at the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, it actually says this, I, Jesus, have, seen, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The sign that the star of Bethlehem was pointing to was the real star of Christmas, who is Jesus Christ, who by prophecy would become the Savior and Lord of the world. Now this Christmas, as we worship and celebrate Jesus like we do every Christmas, I want to encourage you, if you are not yet a believer, believe in this star that the star of Bethlehem is pointing to, this star named Jesus Christ, who can also be your Lord and Savior of this world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for sending us this sign, this star, to point to the direction for the Magi, these pagan astrologers, that even these pagans that weren't from Israel, that were far away, would also give gifts and worship him, the baby Jesus. We pray for those of us who are non-Christians, who are from the outside looking in, who have not made a decision whether to worship and believe in this baby Jesus yet, that you would stir in their hearts and stir in their minds and cause them to desire to worship you and to make your son Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives. We do pray for them that they would admit that they are sinners and that the only one who can save them from their sins is Jesus Christ. And we do ask, Father, that you would, you would guide them to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. Thank you, God, for those of us who, who are saved. We have the blessing of eternity. Eternity not in hell, but in heaven. And we have the blessing of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have the blessing of knowing that you will hear all of our prayers. Because when we come before you, we are not sinners, but we are saints in Christ Jesus. Thank you for these things. We glorify you and we thank you for all of these things this Christmas. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.